0: Yeah, there are bad times in this household. The family's going through a crisis. They're, in many ways, in need of support and advice, even. Who are you going to call? It's Big C.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was the point where I nearly threw the book where I was reading that. and mind you I was in a coffee shop like there I was in public
0: torn coffee soaked pages of pride and prejudice were found lying around the crime scene
1: we're taking care of business in England with the ladies well hello there welcome hello
0: to Shark Live Royal's third instalment of its coverage of *Pride and Prejudice* by that wonderful young woman Jane Austen, I am, of course, one of your hosts, Matt, and joining me, as he does every week, is
1: I'm Dave. Hello, hello, my good friend Dave. I'm just wondering now how long you're going to keep this voice up. That long. We're back to normal, that, eh? that long. Are we are, are we allowed to use kind of shortened and informal versions of our names if we're talking like Jane Austen caricatures? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I'm Matthew Ponsbury von Richtowin the Third. A why. German. I
0: don't know why I'm German. <laughs> yeah, I'm royalty.
1: <laughs> German royalty. Good <laughs> heavens! Yeah. Who are you? Uh, I'm David. Dear (laughs) Schmichelhafer
0: Funnily enough, I'm actually from Norfolk (laughs) I was going to say, you're saying Belgian
1: Yeah, actually, that's what I was going for there
0: (laughs) We're just going to leave that there (laughs) Okay, well, it's uh, it's time to... We've got a lot of material to get through today Uh, We're reading from chapter 34 All the way to Russell, Russell, Russell Chapter 51 So, um... So, we best get started, don't we, Dave? We best had. Um, so, chapter 34. And uh, Mr. Darcy picks his moment with impeccable timing. Just as uh, Lizzie's sitting there thinking about how much she hates him, he uh, comes round to uh, propose. Uh, uh, what well, do you it, do? It's an unusual proposal. Uh, Lizzie's already brushed off one proposal from Big C, Mr. Collins. <laughs> Um, and that wasn't exactly.
1: <laughs> big, it's just Big C. Carry on. Carry on.
0: <laughs> that wasn't exactly sweet you off the feet, sort of romantic. And this one, um, as part of his proposal, he says, In spite. It basically says, In spite of your rubbish connections and general poorness of your family, I'd still like to marry her.
1: Um, <laughs> and now, is that extremely romantic given the kind of social setup of the day? Or is that just. Another breathtakingly kind of unromantic proposal is it? You're from horribly common roots, but my love for you overwhelms even my haughtiness. Or is it you're from horribly horribly common roots, but you'll do? Like, <laughs> which of those is it?
0: Well, I think we have a difference of opinion here because I think, as far as Darcy's concerned, it's definitely the former. And he <laughs> l- later on, when um, when Lizzie <clears throat> sort of points it out as being quite rude. He basically says, "You know, I was just being honest." <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, he—he uh, <clears throat> he also, uh, at this point, admits to stepping between Mister Bingley and Jane.
1: Ooh.
0: It was me. It was I.
1: That dastard.
0: Mm. Unsurprisingly, when you consider those two points, uh, the fact that he's admitted to ruining her sister's happiness and the fact that he's just insulted her as part of his proposal. Um, Lizzie gives him the
1: rejection to end all rejections. (laughs) (laughs) Even more sweeping than the one she gave Mr Collins, which was already Olympic standard as far as sweeping (laughs) rejections go.
0: Yeah, yeah. if you're going to get put down by Lizzie and uh, have a marriage offer refused, she's going to do it in some style. (laughs) With Um. pinache. (laughs) (laughs) So this ends with Darcy leaving thoroughly rejected. And uh, we move on to chapter 35 in which Lizzie's gone for a walk in the gar- in the grounds and Darcy appears, seemingly out of nowhere. I think he's just been hanging around waiting for her to turn up. And mm. uh, he gives her a letter uh,
1: which explains one or two things. Uh, Are we about to, have we come across a big bag full of plot?
0: Oh, you better believe it. Because for, <laughs> for one, he says that yeah, one of the reasons he came between Bingley and Jane obviously was the obvious one about money but also mm. he says he, he genuinely doesn't, didn't think that she was really that into him and you can kind of go back to when all this was going on at the start of the book and Lizzie and Jane was having this discussion about how obvious to make it that she liked him and obviously it wasn't obvious enough for, a, yeah. for, for an independent observer like Darcy and um,
1: I think I think he stands a little bit too strongly on his on his intuition in this one because mm. he's not exactly a kind of terribly marriage attuned romance attuned type is he No so like I I I really feel like this is a, a big misstep on his part and it just makes him that much less sympathetic because how can you be that full of yourself to be like, I looked at her, and I, as well as the fact that she was poor, she didn't seem to be into him too much, given my usually infallible marital radar, I decided to end the whole thing off my own back. <laughs> like, I, I, honestly, if you had a friend that did that to you, you'd probably punch his lights out. <laughs> you, you're really into somebody, and he takes it upon himself to be like, nah, mate, she's not that into you, and then go over to her and be like, he's not that into you either. You'd be like, hey, Thanks fucking wingman cheers <laughs> mate nice one
0: yeah I do increasingly get the impression though that the relationship between Bingley and Darcy is that Bingley is this sort of happy-go-lucky nice guy and Darcy's the sort of person in the background just sort of looking out for him and almost acting like uh. his dad which is a bit str- I mean which is strange when you put it in this context but that, that yeah, it certainly feels the like a relationship
1: though, yeah yeah very much I think that is what Darcy takes it upon himself to do and hmm. And like I say, that itself, even if he's not being actively malicious, even if he's just being like heroically condescending, like you don't act like a dad to your mates. That's just weird.
0: Mm. Speaking, and- of, speaking of family, um, Darcy says he, one, of the, one of the other reasons was he really didn't like three of the other sisters, <laughs> as i.e. <laughs> Mary, Kitty and Lydia. Um, didn't like her mum and on occasion didn't like her dad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's actually like that's actually a little theme. That last bit is a theme that runs throughout this whole section of the book. Is question, like we get more light shed on Mister Bennett and kind of questioning his character, hmm. which I was really happy to come across because, like I say, like although all my first instincts are to like anybody who like introduces himself with the line that he introduces himself with, and this kind of like you know that, that whole business of how he deals with his just totally insufferable wife. Yeah, I'm minded to like him, but actually he does have some serious character flaws he must do because he's married a woman like that and let her be the major influence on the bringing up of three of her daughters Mm. at least um yeah but but you're right that does sit as part of a broader part of like fairly comprehensive rejection of her entire family
0: yeah the three daughters that she's had the most influence on as well are the three youngest aren't they so yeah. there's, a, there's a sense that maybe there was a bit of a struggle at first when the first two children were born and he's just kind of given up as time's gone on.
1: Exactly. Another thing which doesn't make him terribly impressive, mm. you know, because we see, I mean, um, just like on a few occasions in this section, we reflect back on how Mrs. Bennett was in the first half of the book. Mm. And I quite like that that happens in this bit because it it really brings it home. Like what a knob she was. Mm. Like not not just kind of like, a really interestingly drawn caricature, but actually her, her caricatured words seem to be happening in a realistic and consistent world. And so what she is, is not just somebody that's there to laugh at, she's there as somebody who, I mean, I think we all know people like this, where you like, you meet them and you're like, are you really like this? Are you really talking the way you're, to- are you sure, am I on camera? Is it, mm-hmm. do you know, like that kind of person? And, and she is, she's just a knob. You know, mm. what kind of a person sits at dinner parties and speaks openly about an engagement between her daughter and a, a man who's actually at the table, which hasn't actually occurred yet?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is that, as, as we read on, Lizzie seems to take, this is, seems to be the point that Lizzie takes on board and kind of agrees with, and she starts to feel a bit embarrassed about her family, Um, which is unusual, because normally when she receives this kind of criticism, she brushes it off quite easily, and uh, reacts quite angrily to it, but the more she thinks about it, the more she thinks she may have a point, because her younger sisters don't really acquit themselves maybe we're being a bit harsh on Mary but the other two (laughs) particularly, um, do tend to as we see later on create problems oh, oh, Uh, later on, (laughs) Matt,
1: later on Jeez, yeah. I'd read it before, and I was literally throwing the book across the room. But we'll we'll come to it. We'll come to it.
0: So so the way that Darcy came between Jane and Bingley was he told Bingley that he said, "Come on, Bings," as we said before. <laughs> come, come on, Bings. Come, come on. Uh, she she doesn't really like you, this girl. Um, and also, when Jane came down to London, he um, carefully made sure that Mister
1: Bingley wasn't aware of this. So uh, more meddling there. I was going to say, that's another strike in the bastard column, isn't it? Mm. Um, Moving on to the Mr... He he then
0: explains the Mr Wickham stuff, because she threw that in his face during the proposal as well. Um,
1: And he says (laughs) She really was uncompromising, wasn't she?
0: (laughs) Yeah. He says that the issue with Wickham was that, um, yeah, uh, Darcy's father did want to provide for him, and that that actually happened. Uh, Darcy... The agreement was originally to give him a gra- to give Wickham a grand so he could join the clergy, a thousand pounds. Wickham just changed his mind and said, actually, he wanted to be a lawyer, which would be three thousand pounds, which Darcy paid. Mm. Uh, and then he came back a bit later and said, Oh, that's not worked out. I need some more money. At which point, Darcy said, No, I've had enough. Um, yeah. And soon after that, he eloped with Darcy's sister, <laughs> uh, which I've just put, fuck.
1: <laughs> fucking A man I mean and what's, what's your end game in that situation hmm. like what are you thinking's is going to happen at like, like family Christmas <laughs> <laughs> like you know present time oh look, look what I bought for you Fitzwilliam <laughs> oh really with my money was it how <laughs> interesting like it's just there's just no earthly way that that's going to be a situation you really want to live in so if this is true Wickham is just the like just astoundingly short-sighted, greedy, and dissolute.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Was it run off with and abandoned as well?
1: Um, I think pretty much. Mm. No, 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 actually, no, it wasn't. They ran off together, and then Darcy got his shit together sharpish and Mm. went over there. And the moment that she saw him, Georgiana, who's his sister, was like kind of, oh, sorry, I was wrong. And she was like 15 at the time or whatever, do you know what I mean? Yeah. which, as normal as that may have been in this society, I still think it's creepy as fuck. Hmm. Wickham is clearly older than that. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's perhaps by the by.
0: Chapter thirty six, and uh, Lizzie is just going over these rather complicated feelings she's got for for Darcy now, and is he innocent with regards to Mister Wickham? Um, she she sort of picks apart Wickham's character a bit and thinks about things, and a few things fall into place. One example is. How he boasted about how he wasn't afraid of Darcy at the start, and the very next day at that ball, he sort of avoided. <laughs> he didn't turn up because Darcy he was left there. town. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I and actually, I thought that was quite subtly done because I didn't notice that in the narrative. Mm. But when it's when she explores it, it becomes really, really blatant. And uh, there's a little lightness of touch in the in the plotting, which I think makes all the difference in a book like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's all about manners, isn't it? I mean, it's even called the Novel of Manners. Mm. Um, and But just kind of quite lightly to kind of tease it out and bring it out and turn, it, turn, turn these kind of quite nice, tiny little distinctions into a whole plot is quite an achievement.
0: Yeah, so it kind of feels like the veil's being lifted a bit with Lizzie in regards to Wickham. And uh, she, you- she also comes around a bit on this argument about Jane. She's still not massively happy about it, but she's beginning to think maybe Darcy had a point, especially in regards to her own family.
1: Yeah, well, because she's always thought that her mum was a bit of a dick. Do mm. you know what I mean? Whereas, and, and you know, I think she's less likely to kind of think harshly of her father, but she's mm. definitely minded to be like, yeah, I totally see how Lydia's a moron. Mm. Um, so he's kind of pushing an open door there, in a sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, ch- chapter 37, and uh, there's this final visit to Lady Catherine, where I think Lady Catherine's sort of presented in the worst light so far here, and you really oh, get yeah. the sense of her being a total snob.
1: Yeah, um, shoot, man, it goes up a gear, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's quite funny that Lizzie's sitting there thinking it would have actually been quite funny to accept Darcy's proposal just to see what Lady Catherine would have made of her as a niece-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would have been great. Um,
1: oh dear. Yeah, great for a given value of totally excruciating, right?
0: yeah but this um this general uh atmosphere of of sort of class and uh keeping up appearances and things like that once again makes lizzie just reflect on her sisters catherine and lydia and she actually considers them as ignorant idle and vain um during this chapter so it's really worked out of that um it feels like at first when you see that when you see that Darcy's bringing up her family and almost saying you know your, your family is really annoying and it's yeah. uh, quite embarrassing and brings a lot makes things difficult for you and Jane um you think it's a terrible thing to say but she she really does think you know maybe there's a, a few home truths have been told to her there and she she realizes that it is a problem
1: mm mm mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and I think this is there a little thread here about how kind of going out in the world and seeing other places and other people and seeing how they interact has been a really maturing experience for Lizzie. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess we don't know how much of this she's done before, I guess but um but i you do have this kind of sense that she's gone into the palaces of the mighty and she hasn't been terribly overwhelmed, but she does now have a sense of how kind of fumbling and gross. Her mother's social climbing must look to some people.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this, at this point, Liz is now about to leave and return home, and uh, chapter thirty-eight is uh, mostly about a goodbye from mm. uh, from Big C, who who <laughs> <laughs> says goodbye, um, and it appears he's begun to speak about himself in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a new development. <laughs> Not at all
1: pompous, Big C. Not at all pompous. It's the kind well of thing. A,
0: it's the kind of thing an international rapper would do, though, isn't it?
1: <laughs> what do you mean, like? P Diddy doesn't like these peanuts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> P Diddy would like another glass of water, please.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Mr Collins gives a, a rambling, pompous and genuinely fantastic goodbye.
1: It is, um, isn't it? They're rambling and they're pompous, but you read every word twice because they're so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's great as um, as Elizabeth's sort of leaving and she's obviously got to say something back to this guy. And uh, it says in the text, Elizabeth tried to unite civility and truth in a few short <laughs> sentences. <laughs>
1: Oh, such a great line!
0: Yeah, um, the the return journey, uh, she picks up Jane along the way, and uh, they meet Kitty and Lydia, who've travelled out to an inn to uh, to catch them early, early sort of before they get back to the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of I think they've both gone shopping for new hats.
1: Um, <laughs> it's amazing like oh this scene's just a festival of how much of a knob can you be because like at one point like they come out and they spent this money on a hat and somebody's like it's not very pretty and Lydia's like oh I know I know but I'm gonna take it home and tear it apart and remake it isn't it just fabulous (laughs) just and then and then the thing where they turn up at the the inn and there's food on the table and they're all like, hey, guys, look, we bought a meal for you. This is cool. I mean, you're going to have to pay for it and everything, yeah? But <laughs> hey, we bought you a meal. <laughs> it's the kind of crap which uh, it's, it's not even adolescent. It's juvenile. It's like 10-year-old stuff. But somehow, you know, they, they have the freedom to move around as they please. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Lydia particularly comes across as sort of a loudmouth and really rude and brash, doesn't she? In this, yeah, you're not kidding. Um,
1: total airhead is what mm, it is.
0: Yeah, and uh, when when they finally get back, it turns out that the uh, militia are going to be leaving Meriton. Oh, zombie uh,
1: apocalypse faded, has it?
0: <laughs> and they're off down to Brighton, and uh, it appears that Miss Miss Bennett. Along with Lydia and Kitty, want to go down and visit the soldiers down there. So we shall see. I don't that'll, think Mr. That, Bennett's go keen down on it.
1: well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine just relocating the entire household because there are soldiers? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 man. I mean, all right. I understand the appeal for the girls, but put yourself in Mr. Bennett's shoes. Honestly, he, he's going to need like he, he's going to need all the weed he can get to keep himself on an even keel if he goes down there. Hmm. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm keeping on this Mr. Bennett is a stoner riff, by the way. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I'm very happy with it. Very happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter 40, this is where Lizzie tells Jane about what Darcy did um, insofar as keeping you know Bingley apart and her apart. Um <laughs> Oh no, no! She doesn't. She does sort of that. Beg your pardon. She tells Jane about um, the Darcy and Wickham situation and the new information she's heard about that. Um, she keeps the the stuff he did about Jane to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Jane tries to find something to say about both parties. Maybe, maybe it's just one big misunderstanding. Because <laughs> she just <laughs> she's could never so blame sweet anybody.
1: Sweet-natured, isn't she? Yeah. Like I particularly like. I, I did think when I was reading this scene, I thought this could be like like if she actually told Jane about what Darcy had done. This isn't a million miles away from being like a supervillain origin story, is it? You know, the like, it, like, in, like in The Incredibles, you know, you've got this incredibly sweet person who's just like, like just totally lovely. And then they get crossed and you zoom in close on their eyes and the music gets kind of low and ominous. And they go, I will
2: be revenge!
1: <laughs> and that's how Jane became a supervillain. <laughs> that's my As you'll see,
0: is that the twist that's coming? We'll have to yeah. wait and see. Yeah. Uh, chapter 41, and the uh, the household is lamenting the departure of the regiment. Uh, in, uh, for example, good heaven, what is to become of us? What are we to do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a bit overwrought, isn't it? Like they've been I mean, fair enough, they've been there for a while, but it's what is it, like six months or something? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. whatever is going to happen. These soldiers have gone to somewhere where there's probably a war, or maybe just for a time at the seaside. What's going on with these soldiers, by the way? They just they just wander around the country pitching up somewhere and flirting with people. Do they never actually go off and fight one of the many wars that Great Britain was involved in at the time? <laughs>
0: Well, maybe it's just the officers are just wandering about around here.
1: That's brilliant. They've (laughs) they've sent the the rank and file off to go and fight the Russians or the French or the Germans or whoever it was was being fought at the time. What are they doing? Communicating by telegram. (laughs) (laughs) Dear proles, attack yours, (laughs) Commander such and such, Brighton.
0: (laughs) We're taking care of business in England with the ladies.
1: <laughs> oh, nah. Could you sound more Colonel Flashart there at all? <laughs> We're taking care of business in England with the ladies. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it turns out um, Lydia is going to head down to Brighton uh, to to see a few is. more of the soldiers, and uh, <laughs> of course yeah. she is in, in a move which. Uh, lizzie describes as the death warrant of all possibility of common sense <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> she's got a certain turn of phrase hasn't she
0: yeah yeah and uh yeah so lydia's going to be staying with a uh, sort of friend of the family and mr B- mr bennett says that it might be quite you know she, she's such a pain that we've got to get her out of the house and uh, it might actually sober her up a bit just going down there where there are loads more women and she doesn't stand out as much and she's going to be a bit more ignored. Uh, he says that she's a, she's too poor to be an object of prey for anybody, which hmm. is a interesting way of putting it.
1: Yeah, very fatherly as well, isn't it? That's, that's mm. practically in the hand for fathering. Oh, let her go and run around with the soldiers without anybody else to look after her for a few weeks. She'll get it out of her system.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's gambling on the fact that because she's not very rich that most of the soldiers aren't going to be interested in her anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, like you're she, right. It's a big gamble, big gamble. Mm, and,
1: um, I, think, I think he's this is one of the many examples, I think, in this point of Mr Bennett being entirely too laid back about stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, this also is the chapter where we pretty much have the end of any chance for a relationship between Wickham and uh, Lizzie. It's We found out a little bit earlier that um, this... Do you remember Wickham was after this Miss King girl who'd suddenly come into ten grand, <laughs> yeah. and um, and she's actually been packed off now. Uh, her p- family have moved her away from from Wickham, so he's had to recalibrate his uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> another resounding endorsement of Wickham by everybody yeah. else in his life. Yeah, and this yeah. image—they've not just like moved down the road or something. They've actually moved to like Nova Scotia. They've got on a <laughs> boat and they've moved to the new world just to get away from this absolute <laughs> cad.
0: So he's had to recalibrate his charm lasers, and he, uh, he focuses them <laughs> on Lizzie again.
1: That's such a horrible image.
0: <laughs> his laser um, beam focused. <laughs> but to, to continue with the analogy. Uh, Lizzie's Lizzy's uh, auntie Wickham charm shields are too strong, and she basically, she kind of politely, yeah, and yeah, and politely calls him out over some of the stuff that he's been saying about, you know, his yeah. tales of woe and how nothing's been his fault. Yeah, and in the in the end, without really
1: saying anything about it to each other, they quietly part ways. Do you know what? This scene in particular made me think Lizzie was a total loss to diplomacy. You Imagine if somebody like this was in charge of negotiating, I don't know what it was that was being negotiated at the time. There'd be no need for those soldiers. The soldiers could stay at Brighton the entire time, just send her around to talk people in and out of things. (laughs) Incredibly delicate touch in these matters, you know.
0: Yeah, she did very well. Uh, Chapter 42 is interesting because it starts with This uh, it's a bit of Mr. Bennett, and it's an admission that this is really is an unhappy marriage that he married very young and uh, slowly began to realise that they just didn't really have anything in common, Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is which is interesting. Adds a sort of a sad beat to the to the story slightly Mm -hmm. because. In the past, you've seen, I think when we're introduced to these characters, you see them as sort of the odd couple arguing and, you know, this very expressive and enthusiastic Mm. wife and this sort of laid back and slightly gently frustrated husband. But that Mm. you think deep down, you know, they've got this really close connection. Yeah. And they, they sort of just have these funny foibles that couples who've been together for a long time have. Mm. But it appears that there's deeper problems with that relationship which you've never really been were never really going to work.
1: Yeah. It's sad as well because I think it's a little bit later on where like we just get one sentence which explains how they got together and it was just like Mrs. Bennett, way back when, when she was Miss Gardiner, was like just like Lydia, just very pretty and very carefree. Mm. And Mr. Bennett was kind of like intoxicated with her, and and that's how marriages happen. And I like it as a little contrast with, because the whole of the rest of the book revolves around young people, you know, kind of chasing marriage as though it's just the thing that you do, and, and you know, kind of making this lifelong decision on the basis of really not very much interaction with other people, and Mm. almost entirely on like a financial basis. And then, yeah. you know, we just have this moment where we see what that's like after forty years or whatever, and it's quite sad mm. to watch, you know.
0: Yeah. Speaking of sad, the uh, the gardeners, uh, Mister Gardener, appears to be the only character in this book who's actually doing any work. Um, As has been has has told Lizzie that this big plan to go up to the Lake District on the on the, the Lake District on their tour of pleasure. Um we'll have to <laughs>
1: leads on top
0: <laughs> We'll have to be curtailed somewhat because of reasons of work in London, which means he can't get away for as long as he expected. Mm. So they're um they're only going to go up as far as Derbyshire you know. Uh maybe Derbyshire, to somewhere, you say. Mm, maybe to somewhere called Pemberley.
1: Where does that Can remind me? Ring, rings ring, a ring. bell. It really it rings does, a bell. doesn't it? I can't think for the life of me with
0: well, let's head on to chapter 43, because we visit Pemberley. And, of course, as we all know, it's uh, Mr. Darcy's That's hat. the one! That's the one. I'm astounded,
1: yeah. Matt. I, 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 we're about due for another uh, happy chance bringing Lizzie and Darcy back together, weren't we?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is a strange thing for the time, that when you go on these little holidays you go and just visit random people's houses just to see what they like, uh, despite yeah. of how well you know them or how little you know of them. Uh-huh. Uh, so they, they, sort of, they sort of do a, a National Trust stately home visit. <laughs> I, I
1: saw that! <laughs> but with like a personalised tour and an explanation of the family and stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's strange because it's almost entering an alternative reality when it comes to Mr. Darcy. There's Mm. this portrait of him on the wall grinning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine him doing the wink and the gun, can't you? Like, that's the (laughs) only way it could be more informal, just like. Yeah right actually if you ever have portraits you've done if you ever have like a massive house and a portrait of yourself mate i think i think you owe it to everybody to actually have a photo of you doing the wink and the gun right in front (laughs) of the of the entrance hall like massive entrance hall huge painted portrait of yourself just going hey
0: yeah yeah and i've one in the entrance hall and one over the bed
1: (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna say one in the toilet then (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's better actually. Yeah, the <laughs> on the back of the door, facing the yeah. facing the throne.
1: Yeah, you paint it in such a way that the eyes do follow you around the room. <laughs> Horrifying. Anyway, carry on. Yeah.
0: So there's this, there's the smiling portrait, but that's just the start of it. It turns out he's really nice to his sort of his hired help, mm. um, and he's genuinely nice guy to everybody up here apparently. And Darcy returns. And again, his manner is completely different as well. Yeah, And it's almost like he's a different person.
1: He's completely changed, hasn't he? Like, all of this... Like, you can understand the kind of reserved kind of hauteur with which he gave Jane the letter before. Um, And it's, you know, it seemed to be in keeping with his character. But for some reason, he's sort of clearly gone away and thought enough about... Sorry, not Jane, Lizzie. Thought yeah. enough about Lizzie that... Um, that he's like he's just decided to warm up like go and find mm. the defrost button which it seems you know everybody everybody had decided was lost forever either that or he's just he's just really hates traveling and whenever he's at home he's like hey welcome to my crib <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, th- I think there's more in that latter actually because I think it might be he's, he's almost two different people when he's away and when he's at home because mm. uh, he's much more comfortable in his own surroundings and he, he I don't know, he doesn't feel as, as pressured into um, holding up these social norms and things like that mm. because the, the reason I don't think it's a massive change of character after meeting Lizzie is the fact that his, his servants like him so much already. So, obviously, he's been like this for a long time at home, insofar as how he how he is with people mm-hmm. back at, back in Derbyshire. And, obviously, he's yeah. very different when he's out and about um, yeah, it's, in the it's rest Dr. of the country. Yeah,
1: it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Darcy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, chapter 44, and Elizabeth meets Miss Darcy. And it's a surprise, because the only introduction we've had to her so far is really has been from... Uh, Mr Wickham and maybe Miss Bingley who've both described her Two
1: extremely as, trustworthy character references there
0: Yeah, and especially Wickham <clears throat> excuse me, especially Wickham described as very haughty and quite like Darcy, mm. and she's she's not, is she? She's quite quiet and very shy.
1: Yeah, yeah and and you can see that as being quite similar to Mr Darcy as well, if what we're saying is, you know, he's so gregarious at home because he's you know, because he just doesn't have to be shy anymore um, but, uh, yeah, she just seems lovely, you know. And mm. this isn't uncommon, I guess. People who are quite shy is often interpreted as kind of arrogance.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mr Bingley and Miss Bingley are also here. The whole gang's come up. And um, it's interesting that nice you know, nice but shy as Miss Darcy is, Lizzie gets the distinct impression that Mr Bingley isn't really interested in her which is what she's been She's been led to believe that these two are, are likely to get married, and her experience of their interactions suggests otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Bingley's asking about Jane in a rather roundabout way. He keeps sort of dropping these questions in, doesn't
1: he? He, he keeps talking about her family as a whole. Like, he yeah, just yeah. keeps coming back to kind of like, and your sisters, how are they, all of them? Uh, particularly the ones I didn't speak to ever. Yes, tell me about all of your sisters. <laughs> uh, can't ask about. You can almost see him. He's like a protocol robot. He's like must not ask about woman I adore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, chapter forty-five is interesting because there's this. There's a, it's, it's basically all the ladies together <laughs> because because the, the man of Is That, is that a purposeful
1: flight, like the Concord reference, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So so there's Miss Darcy, there's Lizzie and there's Miss Bingley as well who's who's like a shark in this uh in in this scene, isn't she? Because she's uh she's she's got a sort of I don't know, maybe not a shark, maybe like a, a cornered wild animal 'cause she's she's got her back <laughs> to the wall and she's trying to desperately trying to keep her claws sunk into Darcy and sort of scare off any competition. Mm-hmm. Uh so and you can feel that her sort of presence really is making Miss Darcy shrink back a little bit. Mm. And uh and obviously she's she's got Lizzie in her sights as well. Um
1: Yeah, we're on we're and, on for an epic catfight here, aren't we?
0: Yeah. And and when when Darcy comes back when Mr. Darcy comes back in front of him, uh Miss Bingley makes this really poorly chosen move in that she She said, Let me just bring it up. Page 225. Yeah, she says to Elizabeth, uh, Miss Bingley, uh, Pray... uh, She says, uh, Are not the Shire Militia removed from Meryton? There must be a great loss to your family. Uh, Suggesting... Obviously trying to put her down insofar as, because obviously there's links to Wickham and yeah. there's also the sort of the general snobbishness of the comments. And it's supposed to make Elizabeth feel uncomfortable and remind Darcy about how low-born low she is comparatively. Mm-hmm. But all it really does is remind Miss Darcy of Wickham and what's happened there. And you yeah. see this shock on both, both the Darcy's faces. And you yeah. realise just how big a miscalculation this has been.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that the Darcy's, who are supposed to be, you know, really high class and not shook, shaken by anything, kind of really like, and, and Lizzie, she surfs it. It's, it's, an, it's a magnificent <laughs> display of sang-froid. She's just sort of like, yeah, what? Sorry, you trying to knock me off? You know what I do with knock me off? I take it, I put it under my surfboard, I roll onwards. She's like, she loves it. She just can't <laughs> get enough.
0: I must have missed that line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't, it's a, a very strong sense of it in the original um, 18th century English, Matt. I don't, I don't know how you missed it. Surfboards re- were very popular in Derbyshire at the time.
0: <laughs> That's nicely put, though, isn't it? Because it is just like that. She's uh, she's just completely unruffled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you
1: have a sense, don't you, of like, I think this is one particular thing where like, she really sets herself apart from the rest of her family in Darcy's presence you know Mm -hmm. because because this whole issue of being somebody's equal is so important um or not equal or kind of the social gap between these two characters and you know for her to be like just incredibly cool-headed in a situation where even he was kind of wrong-footed and and made incredibly awkward you can totally Mm -hmm. i think this is actually a really important moment in the development of their relationship you can imagine him being like wow she can handle herself you know yeah. like and it really distinguishes her from the rest of her family because if that, if something like that had been said to Mrs. Bennett, you would have had a half an hour discursus on how it doesn 't really matter and uh how you know you should ignore all the implications that we 're not very well off because surely we'll be married to all of you one day, you know like it would have been yeah. incredibly awkward I think that's what that 's what miss Bingley's trying to do here she 's trying to kind of lure Lizzie into a tiger trap and she 's not having any of it
0: no. And uh, once this uh, this setback occurs for Miss Bingley, uh, later on she just moves to Def Con Two and just <laughs> bad, bad, bad mouths Lizzie directly to Darcy and starts saying about all, all the problems around her. Yeah. And it doesn't obviously it doesn't work, does it?
1: No, he's not keen. He's in, hmm. in fact he's not having any of it.
0: Okay, at this point in the story, I was beginning to think. I mean, it's good but it's slowing down a bit. We need something to happen to actually move some plot along because <laughs> I was getting a bit bored of just this slow move towards these two characters slowly beginning to like each other. And yeah. suddenly, chapter 46, this is exactly what happens. We get an absolute super, I don't know, injection of uh, of plot. As it turns <laughs> out, a, a letter arrives um, from... Uh, Lizzie's family, to say that Lydia has run off with Wickham. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a second letter which arrives in which it seems that Lydia thought she was running off to Gretna Green to get married. (laughs) Yeah. And they've actually run off to London instead and have disappeared. (laughs) Disappeared in London.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just, I oh man, I I love that idea of like. So we go to Scotland, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely love, yeah. Although a bit short on money, so um, Camden actually, uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll go there eventually. Don't worry about that.
0: Yeah. Now this is, comes as a massive shock to Lizzie, obviously, mm. and there are a few examples where the the strong female characters in this book, because of the times and when it was written, mm. they they still. They're portrayed with a sort of a, a weakness which is a sort of a physical weakness which seems odd these days mm. um but was just taken for granted at the time. There are a few other examples in the book, but th- this is one of them where she has this terrible news and her legs begin to fail, like her knees tremble, <laughs> and she, she and she can't get she she can't get out of the house to go and find somebody to go and find somebody to speak to. She's completely incapacitated. I think there was another, another time maybe when uh, the height of the Darcy conflict mm. where she got so upset that she had a headache and had to go to bed and couldn't come back downstairs. And it's yeah. these sort of, it's this old-fashioned view of women as being really delicate and if they yeah. get too upset, they just sort of wilt. <laughs> and, even <a> char- <laughs> and even a character like Lizzie, um, that happens to in this book.
1: Yeah, well, that's an interesting question, actually, isn't it? Because you're right. On the one hand, these these two events are grade A swoons. And we don't get a lot of swoons in in Mm. literature and drama these days. And I think overall that's quite a good thing. Um, But I do wonder if this is like a legit response to the kind of enormity of what's happened, you know? Because, I mean, we get the implications of this over the next several chapters, but it's clearly a sort of torpedo below the waterline to her entire family Um, Mm. you know there are financial implications uh, you know there's the shame of the elopement um there's the fact that none of her other sisters or her will be able to marry anybody of consequence ever again Mm -hmm. um and it's you know so it's perhaps it's less like finding out that your younger sister has bunked off and married somebody inadvisable very very young and more like finding out I'd know that, like, that uh, a particular member of your family has just been arrested for murder, or mm. you know, like, <clears throat> you know. I mean, that may that might be overstating it slightly, but I, I think that whole kind of shame honor thing is a really important element of this. And perhaps she, her responding that way, sure, it's anachronistic, but perhaps we are supposed to treat it as being as dramatic as that, you know.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think it is an absolute disaster for the family, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think it's anachronistic insofar as that to, for that kind of for those kind of horrific things to be happening to somebody, and for it to the response to it manifest itself in sort of just complete physical breakdown, yeah. <laughs> and r- rather than sort of being unable to gather your thoughts a bit and being you know in tears but trying to carry on, it's just this sort of you sort of shut down um and it doesn't yeah it doesn't it's it's an idea which seemed obvious back you know at the time of this was written but mm. seems strange now so
1: yeah i mean that's definitely true um i mean we should never discount though the possibility that back then if you know women were raised in such a sexist environment it's very likely that this is what they thought they were supposed to do and this is what all they thought mm. they could do in response to adversity you know mm. um you know, which obviously is a reflection less on their hardiness and more on the way that they were raised and kind of spoken of, really. But
0: Yeah. It's interesting that the first person Lizzie sees after getting this news is Darcy, yeah. and she tells him, mm-hmm. and uh, he promises not to tell anybody else. And later on, she thinks back to this when she's trying to think about how far this damage is going to go when they're trying to do damage limitation. Mm. And she thinks, oh, I've told Darcy, but then she... She believes that he is um, entirely trustworthy in keeping that to himself and she doesn't think he's going to spread it anywhere else, where compared to, imagine if she'd let this slip to to Miss Bingley. Um, Fucking hell. Most of the country would know before. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> before. true. Extra,
1: extra, read all about it. Mm. Rural gentry heavily disliked by urban aristocracy. In shame, in shame, <laughs> read of the shame here. <laughs>
0: Uh chapter 47 and Lizzie goes home and uh it appears that Mr. Bennett has uh I mean this is this is quite interesting with Mr. Bennett in that he's been so relaxed and laid back and uh you know nothing is to nothing is going to upset me throughout this book. But when his daughter runs off, he's suddenly he's, he's all action, isn't he? He's down to London straight away, he's trying to yeah. find her. Yeah. Um which is which is obviously uh, uh, what you'd expect of a father to do, but mm-hmm. with with Mister Bennett's but, character, uh, it's it's nice to that. affirm that.
1: Yeah, it's not. It wasn't a lock though, was it? It was by no means yeah. a sure thing that he would act in that way. And yeah. you know, there are moments where you kind of feel the likelihood of him being, um, although he moves quite quickly. There are people who move quicker. You know, you've got Colonel Colonel Forster from mm. the um from the regiment that uh, Lydia and Wickham run away from. Um he's on a horse all the way from Kent to to Hertfordshire uh yeah. to tell them about this and he's searching through London and stuff like that and all the rest of it. Um Well it um
0: it was him it was his family that she was staying with, wasn't it? So I think he feels some responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And rightly
1: so as well, by the way. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. anyway.
0: <laughs> Although I do feel a bit sorry for Colonel Forster in the insofar as uh Lydia was allowed to leave the house because they, they, her mum and dad couldn't well her dad couldn't control her anymore, mm. and he basically just passed that problem on to colonel Foster <laughs> that's true who's now who's now picking up the bill
1: yeah, yeah, that's true he would he could very easily be forgiven uh if he knew Mr Bennett's kind of thought processes for turning up at his house and going, "I've just galloped fifty miles, thanks mate,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Bennett uh, is immediately, again, as we just uh, were talking about in the last chapter, immediately taken ill as soon as this news hits. She retires to she retires to bed and doesn't is, come out again. Is
1: that a function of gender, or is that just a function of her being a bit of an, a moron?
0: Well, I think it's. I think it, in in the context of this time period, it's both. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Be- because you know. It, I don't know. I I just I just think it, it is you see it with quite a lot of the female characters in this book, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she she I'd imagine she would be more susceptible than most to this sudden
1: wilting of uh You're not kidding. <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah, she does seem to have embraced all of the kind of um all of the sort of most pathetic elements of of how women were told they were supposed to be, you know and this, this book's great because we have so many characters who kind of contradict that mm. um, but she's Mrs. Bennett is one of the characters who most kind of embodies all of the stuff that was most kind of limiting and, and idiotic about the way women were taught to be in that time,
0: yeah, yeah now uh, mrs bennett's great greatest fear is that um
1: spiders. Sorry, what? Carry
0: Time I'm just coughing. Uh, yeah, Mrs Bennett's greatest fear is not spiders. Oh, it's God. that, uh, yeah, it's that they these two won't get married. That they've run off, and she's Lydia's going to return, having spent some time alone away with this young man, and not have married him. Bounce and she saying "Yeah," right. and she she says in desperation, "If they're not married, make them marry." And it, I find it interesting that. It's not so much when this happens; the horror isn't so much can we get our daughter back from this shady bloke who's run off with her. Mm. It's can we make sure that she marries this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you, you get the whole force of why an elopement was such a kind of shameful thing, because mm. it, it you know it implies that you're having sex outside marriage, and and you know there's the dishonor and the and and again it's this this whole idea of. You know a a woman's worth was only you know uh, marrying in virtue, and actually at one point um Mary continues a one hundred percent hit rate as a sympathetic character by basically saying that she says something like that uh, <laughs> females who uh who elope without marrying are shamed and and it's just <laughs> you know it's so different from how things are today and it's it's i st- i think this does quite a good job of communicating the real kind of Horror that people experienced at the very prospect.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Now, chapter forty-eight. Now, l- listen, Dave. Yeah, there are bad times in this household. The family is going through a crisis. They're, in many ways, in need of support, and advice. Even. Who are you going to call? It's Big C, <laughs> uh, and, and he, he steps up and he takes it upon himself to write them a letter.
1: Oh, because he hits, he's heard he the He hits news. it out of the park, doesn't he? <laughs> Just the sheer front of the man in pretending that this is anything other than a peasants. You are shamed, and I will inherit all of your worldly goods. Bah! Enjoy your inevitable slide into the shameful gutter. <laughs> but he manages to dress it up as though it's the height of genteel civility. What a yeah. knobhead! Honestly.
0: <laughs> well, he, he does say that you know this may be damaging for your relationship with Lady Catherine, which obviously is his um, prime concern. Yeah, in any aspect of life.
1: Part.
0: Yeah. Uh, but he me. says he might <clears throat> But he says he might be able to smooth things over for them, um, and as we advise <laughs> like a favourite <laughs> uncle.
1: Oh really? Yeah. It'll make it more possible for me to spend more time in the good graces of that horrible, horrible, condescending woman. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, mate.
0: Yeah. He also advises Mister Bennett to get shut of her, of Lydia. Just, just abandon her. Just give it up as a bad job.
1: Yeah, and at which point everybody reading it goes, "Oh, well, I'm looking forward to you having daughters, mate." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it just it's just awful, and and that he like. I'm constantly astonished by Mr. Collins' capacity for starting out saying one thing. He kind of says something good, and then says therefore, or like because he says, you know, I feel this. I feel that you are, you know, you are most fortunate because, and then lists the exact opposite of every other reason that he that that he's claimed he's going to give. He's like, Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 like it's a masterpiece of you know doublespeak. Um and it's and you and the most amazing thing is that it all seems to be so unself conscious. This is just the way he thinks. I believe he literally does think that he can that the most complimentary and helpful thing he can say at this point is to point out that they're all fucked. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: But that's Big C fear. He just does it his own way, doesn't he? Yeah. Big C. <laughs> he plays no his own kidding. road. <laughs> Now, um, we, we hear a bit more, the, the, the village of Meryton, once almost collectively in love with Mr. Wickham, um, and now sort of his reputation's plummeting, uh, he's he's now thought, thought of as this untrustworthy guy, apparently he's left a load of debts around as well, he didn't really have any real friends in the village, and you really get a sense of everybody turning on this guy. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny as well because um mr bennett says that uh mr bennett says to lizzie remember lizzie said to mr bennett a while back that um had the younger daughters were too wild and it was kind of his fault and he sort of laughed it off and then he says to lizzie you know you're probably right with that yeah and he, say, he says to Kitty, he effectively puts Kitty on 10-year probation <laughs> and says you're not leaving the house. <laughs> oh, man, he,
1: he goes straight from being, like, the most stoned, laid-back dad in the universe to being, like, Robert De Niro in Meet the Parents, isn't he? He's like, sort of, you, young lady, are not leaving the house. <laughs> I, he yeah. literally says, I wouldn't let you go to the seaside for 50 pounds. Yeah. You, maybe yeah. if you're good for 10 years, you can go out to play then, which is the same as saying you can marry on or after your 70th birthday and not before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think he says it sort of with a smile on his face as well. He's not entirely serious about this, but Kitty I takes it. Comp-
1: I, I, I feel like he's loading the shotgun at this point. Like I, I pity the next poor bastard that turns up and tries to woo one of this man's daughters. <laughs>
0: Well, I think I I just thought it he he was it wasn't being entirely serious because at the end it says Kitty takes it took all these threats in a serious light as if you know unlike other people who maybe think he's not into you know he he is gonna keep her on a tighter leash if you like but not quite to the extent where she'll never leave the house for ten years. (laughs) uh, I think Kitty takes it literally. (laughs) She's gonna be like. This old maid in the attic before she's about yeah. to leave the house. Uh-huh. Uh, chapter forty nine. Mm. Um, the <laughs> the funny thing about what happens here is uh, the the big moment, obviously, is they've found uh, the the news comes from uh, Mister Gardner to say that he's found uh, Lydia and Lydia and Mister Wickham, but the the way the news is transferred is that. Uh, Lizzie bumps into both the butler and the maid who, I'm sh- pretty sure, up to chapter 49 just haven't made an appearance throughout the entire book. <laughs>
1: That's true. It's a bit of a weird time to introduce new people, isn't
0: it? <laughs> and they turn up. And I love how anyone who isn't an aristocrat or gentry in this book is just hilariously one-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then the common people turned up and said, <laughs> good, "Good heavens, me old cock sparrow! But I crikey, Anyway, I'll be leaving."
0: <laughs> they just don't have any independent thought at all, and I think they, they they just deliver various bits of information, and um, every so often have the same feelings as the feelings of what's going on with the you know with the family. So mm. I think the maid is quite is really delighted, like everybody else, when. Um, When this idiot Lydia has been found, and I just think it's funny because I don't know. I just imagine if 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 she paid a bit, if Jane Austen paid a bit more attention to maybe what people underneath this class are like, (laughs) um, she could have sketched these characters a little bit better because they just feel like they almost feel like servo bot robots who (laughs) just want to just feel the same things as the masters and uh, <laughs> yeah. are just there to facilitate that. And yeah. it's a shame. I think it's the one thing I would criticise the book about. It's a shame that there's it's never explored anything outside this circle. Yeah. And I know the main point of the story is that, but it would have been nice to have a character which wasn't, I don't know, maybe not a, a fully formed character, but just a, a couple of hints to suggest that, you know... Um, there is an, there are other people existing at this time rather than just this this group, Bernie. Yeah,
1: yeah, but at the same time, you know, this was written by a woman, and we've seen in this how well the kind of restricted lives of women are sketched, and you, you know it's very clear that this was Jane Austen's life to a certain extent as well, hmm. and so I can I. You know, I agree with you. I think, you know, the the broader perspective there is, the better. And you definitely do miss out on the, the experience of people who weren't posh in this book. Um, but at the same time, you know, where's Jane Austen going to have got that from? You know, I suspect that this kind of cycle of things was her entire life.
0: I'm, I'm not convinced by that argument, though. Would you, especially someone who's so independently minded as Jane Austen is... Um, she'd never be curious as to what these other people are like, and she lives with them. It's not like <clears throat> she never comes into contact with anybody who isn't in her class. She's never decided to have a conversation with anybody, despite how, sing- how independently minded she is.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, have you seen how, have you seen how, like, for example, like the response to Lydia doing basically anything other than hanging out with her female friends and kind of fluttering her eyelashes at people has been like i think there was there was a degree of restriction on the movements of women at this time which is kind of like um you know i think she, there's no way for us to gather no way for her to gather the information also i think that um to a certain extent without the opportunity to gather that information there's something quite presumptuous in her saying you know oh i can accurately represent the experience of the lower classes you know that's why charles dickens was such a big deal because he was he he grew up in a workhouse or he went his father went to debtors prison and he spent some years in his childhood in a workhouse mm-hmm. which is why he could write Oliver Twist and make it stick but i bet you there were people before him who decided that there would be drama in a place like that and wrote it more like the musical Oliver straight out of the box
2: mm.
1: so yeah you know like i you know perhaps a parallel would be me trying to write realistically about what it's like to live in a refugee camp like it would it would come off as quite presumptuous and privileged rather than An honest attempt to get a refugee voice into whatever story i was telling you know
0: but you don't live with anybody from a refugee camp that's what i I just find it amazing that i mean because there are members of the household who are waiting on these people all the time and I, i just find it incredible that you know she's sitting down in a room having her hair brushed for 20 minutes by this maid and at no point does she think so what's what's going on with you
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. There is that kind of very close interaction. Mm. Um, yeah, I mm, I don't know. I, I still think, you know, there's a thing of what if the maids, what if the social norms are that that maid would be so alienated by that experience? You know, so, so like, what? You're not supposed to ask that question, but I have to answer you. Um, uh, I, I know. Everything's all right, thanks. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a given that in holding such a conversation that you'd be doing anybody a favor. But if you're mm. going to be an author, I mean, I, I'm arguing the toss, really. Broadly, I agree with you. If you're going to be an author, you have a responsibility to learn as much as possible about the people and environments that you're talking about. But um, but then again, she's writing a novel of manners, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't try and put, like, Lizzie Bennet into uh, a military thriller, you know, for all that it would probably, it would neglect the social experience of, of people like her. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fit, I don't know. It doesn't. I think I think there are reasons that it wasn't done cuz it's not a story about that but
0: yeah well we'll move on to the next chapter which is oh hang on a minute yeah we're we're still talking about how they found the uh how they found these two runaways and it turns out that Mr. Gardner has convinced Wickham to marry uh Lydia uh for but 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 with a promise that they'll get £5,000 once Mr Bennett dies, and they'll also get £100 a year in the meantime. And also, it looks like Gardner's paid off all Wickham's debts, which they estimate to be as much as maybe £10,000, which, <laughs> that's a lot of tours of pleasure that he's going to be missing out on. I one, was going to say that. <laughs> it's,
1: it, that's, that's your holiday money for a good number of decades gone, isn't it? Because £10,000 back then was, was enormous. Mm, Um, and so and he's just kind of magicked it away and Mm. (laughs) there is a little bit where you can imagine him being like uh, um, you know favourite uncle status coming up pretty quickly here I think (laughs) counting off the notes (laughs) you know
0: yeah it's spectacularly generous even for doing it for your family mm. and uh, the the different reaction from the parents is is interesting mr bennett is pleased and relieved but also a little ashamed and guilty Mm. Uh, uh being so in debt to to his to his brother-in-law mm. uh, mrs bennett practically orgasms when she hears the news and it's she awful, just can't it? <laughs> and she goes straight
1: into planning the fucking wedding as well like oh yeah. good now we've got the money there's no reason why this is a bad idea apart from the yeah. conduct and character of this man that my my second youngest daughter is married. oh fuck it doesn't matter Screw it.
0: yeah she she also makes a lazarus style miracle recovery <laughs> from the illness that she's been suffering from <laughs>
1: oh swoon oh I am I am overcome oh no do not let my brother-in-law near for I am sick and overcome of the what's that we've got the money fucking A bastards let's have a party she all but breaks out the conga doesn't she it's agadoo time in the Bennett household as far as she's concerned <laughs>
0: Uh, they, chapter fifty, and uh, Mister Bennett uh, is is laying down a few conditions here. He is still absolutely furious as to how this has all come about, mm-hmm. and he says that he won't have Lydia and Mister Wickham at Longbourn. He doesn't want them. He doesn't want them in the house, and also he he won't pay for any sort of new clothes or anything for for Lydia for the wedding, yeah. which Mrs. Bennett's mortified about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what did you make of this?
1: Well, never have I been so close to understanding this kind of approach before. Because I, I was really engaged in this, and it wasn't until afterwards that I realised that this is basically an EastEnders storyline. You know, put <laughs> all of these words in modern language and in a sort of, you know, fake East, East London accent. And this is absolutely mm. an East End storyline. And you needn't think you're coming back here again either. I'm not paying for anything. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of, that level of dialogue. <sighs> <sighs> exactly. <right? laughs> that's exactly what it is. You know, the drums <laughs> kick in. And um, and so usually I find that sort of thing a bit like kind of, uh, yeah, that's so obvious. But I was really engaged in this uh, and in mm. this whole story. And usually I find that, that whole approach kind of quite histrionic and pointless. Mm. But he did a really good job because we've had five quite long chapters of seeing the agony and the uncertainty and the shame and the worry of the Bennett family and their broader Mm. family. You know, you really really feel it when Mr. Bennett's like, and she's not coming back in this house. And I'll be honest, there was a bit of me, it goes against all my inclinations, but there was a bit of me that was like, fucking right. You know? (laughs) I, yeah, I, I was yeah. with him on this one and I'm not, I'm not terribly proud to admit that but that's how I felt
0: They might be compounded when Lydia does return uh, later oh, God, on as well yeah. If I yeah. ever had
1: a moment's doubt, honestly when she comes back in <laughs> That was the point where I nearly threw the book across where I was reading it and, and mind you, I was in a coffee shop like I was in public
0: he <laughs> started flipping tables yeah.
1: she's <laughs> <laughs> so, so self-centered and irritating <laughs> ah! <laughs> I did basically go Incredible Hulk about a novel <laughs> of manners by the way about the matter of who's marrying who I've been changed by this book Matt I don't mind telling you I've been changed by who,
0: who can I say this out on cappuccino <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not admitting to any of that by the way if you read reading the papers that some nutcase did that to a coffee shop around me, it wasn't me unrelated incident
0: <laughs> someone's, someone's leveled a coffee shop in Cambodia <laughs> uh,
1: po- police reported that it seemed to have something to do with a 200 year old novel about rich people attempting to marry slightly richer people yeah. we're totally torn. baffled said a police spokesman
0: torn coffee-soaked pages of Pride and Prejudice were found lying <laughs> around the crime scene. Worse if it was, I was reading
1: it on my Kindle. Like, it would have cost me a lot of money if I got that frustrated, oh. just flinging this electronic <laughs> device across the room. <laughs> I came that close to it, i tell you.
0: <laughs> um, Lizzie's reflecting on all, that, all that's happened, the fact that this marriage is going ahead now, and she thinks that actually this pretty much ends any chance that her and Darcy ever had of being together now. Because a, it's a massive scandal for the family. B, the scandals ended with a member of the family marrying the guy who Darcy has got this massive hatred for. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't seem so good. And I think it's it's only now that she realizes or decides, depending on your point of view, that this is the guy she wants to be with, and that he would have made a really great husband. Mm. And it's it maybe it's it's, it's an element. There's an element of suddenly she wants something that she can't have and yeah. part of it is the fact she can't have it now she realizes that she wants it
1: yeah you don't know what you've got till it's gone but there is mm. also an ex- there's a bit of a slow a slow hand clap due for this moment isn't it i don't think it's just because it's one of the most famous romances in literature that you're all kind of you've been waiting for her to get there for like 3 quarters of the book i think you know it was been very clear for quite a long time that this is where she's going but it's only in the shock of knowing that it can't happen that she really embraces it at all Mm. So you sort of like yeah. well done, Lizzie. Top work, lass.
0: Yeah, uh, they come to a compromise with uh, with Lydia as well. Insofar as Mister Wickham is now leaving the militia and joining the regular army, which means that he's going to be stationed in the in Newcastle, where so. the wars are.
1: What <laughs> still makes no know. sense to me at all. That uh,
0: uh, yeah, it's a bit late for them still to be having trouble with Scotland, isn't it?
1: Yeah, by by a couple of centuries really by
0: by, about, by about 300 years <laughs> I was going to say that like this is this is fairly
1: far removed from that time I think so what they're doing in Newcastle I could not tell you yeah no. yeah
0: but um yeah but that means obviously because Lydia is moving away that the mr bennett can sort of soften his position Insofar as having them round after the wedding, uh-huh. before seeing them off, he, he he decides that's that'll be okay. Mm. Um, that just just sticking on that. What what do you know the difference between them? what the militia and the regular army at this stage?
1: Who all right? Um, yeah, but I hasten to add that I'm no expert in it. But pretty much the army was a collection of like a you know how even today you have like the Duke of York's regiment. Mm-hmm. and the Duke of Lancaster's Regiment and the rest of it. And that was literally like part of the role of a, a nobleman at the time because they were supposed to be the richest people was to finance and run like their own little bit of the army and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, getting the uniforms and all of that stuff. And that's why you had to be rich to be an officer because you paid for the privilege of being an officer. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't draw a salary. You were, the way you paid your debts was by plundering, basically, places on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the difference between the militia and the regulars I think um, is that um, is the, the, the regulars were the first ones kind of gone to and they were slightly more kind of centralised whereas mm-hmm. I think the militias were just kind of like were they were organised but they were smaller and maybe they were more like the territorial army is today you mm-hmm. know, which would explain why you know you have you know, they, of course they're not deployed. They're, they're, their whole purpose is to just kind of be the British army in the British countryside, mm-hmm. um, uh, at, you know, at this point in history, whereas the regulars might have more of a chance of being deployed somewhere, possibly.
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a difference between, I don't know, um, um, the regular army is a bit more professional.
1: And yeah, I think so, and probably more likely to be deployed as a kind of first mm-hmm. first resort thing. And maybe there's yeah. more, maybe there's government money in it as well. Like I said, yeah, I mean you yeah. can probably tell. I like I think that's what it is, but I'm I'm no expert in how it particularly worked at this particular period in time.
0: Yeah, well, I feel, so it's a bit of a promotion for Wickham, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which, which he's seems un-
1: unlikely given that he, he as he's also running away from quite big debts. Yeah, um, in Brighton,
0: he's done extremely well out of this, hasn't he? He's got yeah. ten grand on the five grand on the way. Eventually, hundred quid a year. Uh, which is no small amount of money at this time. All these debts pay, then a promotion <laughs> offered, running away with somebody.
1: What a knobhead! Honestly, he what must. Think, all all yeah. of his pigeons have finally landed. <laughs> Git. Uh,
0: final chapter for today is chapter fifty-one, and this is uh, Lydia's glorious return to Longbourn. Oh God! Uh, Matt. And you'd you'd think there might maybe some uh, sense of shame or embarrassment about how all this has turned out not a not a bit she turns up Uh, and she clearly feels like she has won the game if you like she's the first to get married of all the sisters she's done it she's found herself a handsome young husband and she's gonna lord it over everybody she's completely oblivious to the trouble that she's
1: caused yeah completely as well not like and to the extent that you're like do you have any idea how the world works you know, mm. do you have any idea what you've done here and what you've necessitated? And there's a good chance that she's such an airhead that she literally has no idea. But she, mm. like, like this, oh, the letter that she sent and then this bit, I'm like, I, I, I was enraged reading it. And I don't get like that about books, really. You know, like, I'm able, I'm, I, you know, I think about themes and characters and all of that nonsense, you know, I think. But this bit, I was properly like, you you fucking, you j- Ah! <laughs> do, do, does she
0: get a bit of a pass because she's so young? She's the youngest in the family and she's very immature and she, maybe she just doesn't know better because her mum and dad haven't done a very good job of of... Teaching her exactly how to behave.
1: Ah, uh, well, well. I blame the parents. No, I, I think, I think you know. Obviously, her parents have had an, an influential role in raising somebody like this, and one would hope that at some point in 16 years, they would have spotted that they were raising somebody who was so kind of by night But, um, I at the same time, you know, if she's old enough to get married, then she's old enough to take responsibility for her own actions
0: yeah I just think because um thing is her mum um Mrs. Bennett almost almost seems to believe that she has is almost in the same camp as Lydia She doesn't really think she's done anything wrong either now it's all worked out. she's yeah. delighted and she's really into the wedding and she's you know we've got one of them married and he's mm. a love and it's almost like she's i think she's even worse than Lydia and it's where she gets it from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even now, right. totally you know, true, Lizzie's disgusted. Mister Bennett's furious still, but her mum is just delighted. He's like, "Yeah, well done. Yeah, you've done it. Just, just what, just what I've brought you up to do." Yeah. So, you know, you know. Yeah, so now, I, I, I mean,
1: of course, you're absolutely right. Um, but, jeez, oh, like, mm. it, yeah, that's not cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Lydia's so full of, uh, full of her wedding that she's telling anybody who'll listen she actually stops a carriage along the road um to to, to fla- flash a ring at, at poor poor mr william golding which she's obviously distracted him from writing lord of the flies so uh although if he can get back to that <laughs> english literature reference for you there but. shazam <laughs> but yeah i thought that was great as well yeah. but, oh, excuse me excuse me i'd just like to uh just place this hand with a ring on, just and on then the talk windows. with great
1: animation, <laughs> probably gesturing towards it. Thing is that you you know that she's so kind of self-involved that, however, she described this as being done, she must have done it a thousand times more blatantly. So hmm. she describes it fairly blatantly. So she must actually have been like whacking the ring in their faces and going, <laughs> "bling bling, motherfuckers."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the final insult. Uh, at this in this scene as well is that Lydia takes Jane's place
1: um, oh. at, at, at the top of the table as well be, be, oh, because awful, she's married. Isn't it? I'm married. Yeah. I'm married, so I I supersede you. Do mm. you? Do you yeah. indeed? Unfortunately, there's a little clause in that way of doing things which has an exception for being an absolute wanker.
0: <laughs> I get the feeling now that Jane would be like. Yeah, I suppose you do, yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, lovely Jane, lovely Jane would go right <laughs> along Jane.
0: with that. Yeah, yeah, well, well, that's understandable, you've had a long journey, so you want to take that seat? Yeah, that's, I'm going to,
1: um, oh, I, and I suppose you, you are basically a lovely person because everybody is as lovely as me, I am lovely Jane.
0: <laughs> it's Yeah, so, so Lydia says she's going to be off to Newcastle for the winter, she says, um, you've got to come and visit me, I'll be at Newcastle all winter, I dare say there'll be some balls. I dare say there'll be some balls too. I,
1: I dare say, I dare say there'll be some shrivelly balls. Newcastle in the winter, <laughs> dear oh dear, that is not that's not a place for the warm of heart.
0: That <laughs> would be that would be, be a great way to sober her up, actually. Yeah, have some na- gnarled old Geordie come over and go, ah, Newcastle is it? Newcastle <laughs> in the winter when <laughs> the wind whips through. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'd like. There are two things
1: I'd like to say in response to that. First of all, that would have been absolutely incredible. And in fact, I think it's a, it's a fairly well-functioning curse to say I wish them a pleasant and long marriage in Newcastle in the winter time. And the, yeah. the second thing is to congratulate you for not trying a Geordie accent there.
0: Yeah, well... <laughs> the uh, temptation was there
1: it. in front of you and you resisted it, and yeah. well done.
0: Um, Lydia's recollection of the marriage, uh, the wedding day... suggests that the wedding was done fairly quickly, um, probably to tie Wickham down. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, imagine (laughs) talking to the vicar about it, can't you? Listen, I'll be honest with you, this is all a bit thrown together, and the groom, frankly, is an arse. So if you could hurry (laughs) it up until we get to the legally binding part, and then then we can sort of ease off a little bit and have a couple of hymns afterwards, yeah? Yeah, cool. Yeah. just just, just getting locked in is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, which is funny because Elizabeth, um, as she's watching Wickham and Lydia as well, gets the distinct impression that Lydia is far more into Wickham than Wickham's into Lydia. Um yeah. again, so well. Probably quite- I
1: mean, clearly, I mean, he's, he might have come out of it fairly well in terms of what he could expect for absconding with the youngest daughter of a certain family. But mm. um, but he's still, you know He's clearly a man out for all that he can make And he doesn't care about running up debts and that And there's all sorts of people that he could probably have Charmed his way into marrying Who would have been more More profitable for him So I'm not surprised
0: And then there's this little twist in the tale at the end Where it turns out that Mr Darcy was at Lydia's wedding
1: <gasps> Gasp
0: what's, uh, what's going on there?
1: Well, I mean I think it's quite obvious from what we've seen of of Mr Darcy's character so far in the novel and, and and what he's like uh that he was there hoping to sleep with one of the bridesmaids.
0: Yeah, the guy loves a party. He's a party he dude. He does he
1: he loves a party though, doesn't he? And he particularly loves cruising at those parties for for unattached women. That's what Darcy's like. Uh
0: yeah, no it, it is very odd, isn't it? Uh because there's no reason for him to be there. <laughs> Yeah, it it he's hardly
1: like sort of, I've hated him since my early manhood, but now he's getting married, bury the hatchet, eh? yeah. go go go! many hundreds of miles out of my way to a church and a secret wedding.
0: Yeah, maybe there was no this, this big emotional sort of emotional get together and forgiveness loving <laughs> at, at the stag do. Hugging and learning at the stag,
1: dude. Listen, listen, look, I know, I know that we've had arguments, right? But I fucking love you. I just, I've no, no, mate, no, 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 but let me talk. Let me talk.
2: I
0: fucking love you. I was a real, real, real dickhead to you. No, no, yes, I was, yes. No, no, I was a dick. No, listen, listen. I was a dick.
1: It worries me that you and I are so good at instantly ad-libbing such <laughs> drunken conversations that yeah. might not say some very good things about us.
0: <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but this is the this is where we end it today, and um, so we're left with this rather strange, like appearance of Darcy at the at the wedding, and I'm sure that'll be explained later on. But but oh, yeah, it will.
1: Mm. Drama,
0: drama. And uh, that just leaves us with, obviously, next time we will be reading from, well, we'll be reading to the end of the book, from where we are now to the end of the book. Easy as that. Easy nice. as that. Simple. That's your favourite
1: week out of all the things we do. The, the second to last instalment where you don't have to worry about page numbers. we Where you're yeah. just like, end of the book. Done.
0: Well, something I have enjoyed about Pride and Prejudice is clear chapters. You know, so I could just say <laughs> everybody read up to chapter 53 rather than so if you've got the uh, paperback <laughs> Hodder and Stone's edition of Pride and Prejudice
1: <laughs> oh it's going to be horrifying for you when we go back to do Feast of Crows isn't it
0: oh don't, don't even start that don't even mention that <laughs> yet I'm not ready for it it's also a ropey book so um, oh is it uh,
1: excellent trailing work there. So come back and listen to us when we do our Feast for Crows coverage. <laughs> the ropey old book. Right. <laughs> uh you know what's ta- you know what it's time for now? Is Is it pride and prejudice and zombies <laughs> and ninja and dumb and dumber and Yeah. Pirates? Speaking
0: speaking of ropey old books, it's uh <laughs> it's the much loved <laughs> in bracket much loved in quote marks. Adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. It's Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Uh, we we always take a quick look at this. Uh, it is it's a genuine book. Uh, it was released. Uh, Dave has great suspicions that maybe aimed solely at the Christmas market. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it's extremely clearly aimed only at the Christmas market. But do you want? Do you know what? Do you know? I went. I went looking uh, to do some. Uh, to do some research on this book and i found out that so successfully was it aimed at just the christmas market in my words matt they're making a film oh they're making a film of pride and prejudice and zombies you know what? i might go and watch that (laughs) oh don't do it oh there's a (laughs) prequel as well pride and prejudice and zombies dawn of the dreadfuls (laughs) sounds like it's sort of a rejected lemony snicket novel doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, oh, and there's there's a sequel called Pride and Prejudice and Zombies: Dreadfully Ever After.
0: Ha ha ha
1: ha! Are you making this up? No, I'm on Wikipedia now. I'm looking at it.
2: Oh, Dreadfully
1: so- Ever After, and it's got Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the film. And do you want to know who's in it? Uh, let me guess.
0: Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Colin Firth.
1: Oh no, my friend. Oh no, no.
0: Uh, Seth Rogen. (laughs) (laughs) I understand
1: why you'd take this particular trajectory in trying to imagine who'd be desperate enough to do this film. But no, it's better even than that, right? Go on. Starting off, there's, there's the former Doctor, Doctor Who, Matt Smith, playing Mr. Collins... All right. And he's got some fairly serious pull these days. So what he's doing doing it, I don't know. But well, better than that...
0: When the royal of Big C comes knocking, you've got to take <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> you can't turn it down. <laughs> Sorry, is it what? You, Pride and Prejudice... And Mr. Collins, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, obviously, I, I, can't, I can't not play role of a lifetime, that. It would be my King Lear.
0: Jack and his agent thought it was thought it was like Mr. Collins was the lead. I was like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, brilliant, romantic lead. You'll really break through in Hollywood as something other than a stuffy Englishman. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, even better than that, though, um, coming to a, a Game of Thrones connection, it's got Charles Dance and Lena Headey in it.
0: Wow, he's it's got, quite a good cast, he,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it's got the father and daughter Lannister in it, mm. and and there's a bit of me, despite the fact that I think this is this is the death of cinema, that actually this is quite a good idea, and I might watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well shall shall we shall we further wet the taste buds with a with a bit of a description of of, of what happens in this this section of the book?
1: Let's. So, but I'll just leave you with this before we do. Yeah. Originally, Natalie Portman was cast in the lead. Ooh. Academy Award winner Natalie Portman, right? Yeah. Do you reckon she just didn't get the the script that had Anne zombies put on the end of it? She was like, "Oh, they're doing Pride and Prejudice again. Oh, great. Yeah, no, I'd love to do that. Bit classy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not Sorry. a massive Natalie Portman fan to be honest. You like, not? No, I, oh, she's fantastic. I, I well, I think it's well. Let's let's leave that. Because that that opens a dangerous door to me talking about how I don't really like Star Wars and then I think we get get loads of hate mail.
1: (laughs) No, but nobody likes the first three Star Wars movies. Nobody likes those. I'm I'm
0: clipping that. (laughs) That's (laughs) going out. Nobody
1: (laughs) likes episodes one, two and three of Star Wars. (laughs) Is that the or if is, they if they do they're idiots and they can't even type so I'm not scared of them on the internet please cut all of this
0: is that the um, I'm I'm confused now is that the, by the, by the first three do you mean the last three that they made
1: I do yeah oh, okay yeah. the in sequence of the storytelling yeah
0: see that's another reason I don't like it you can't even it's not even clear which one's which because you mean the first anyway it, 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 <laughs> it's, it's basically Dave it's like the film version of my struggles with if you're using the paperback version if you're talking about it in chronological order in terms of when they were made I mean the first three if you mean <laughs> on the time scale of Star Wars when it was set in the galaxy I mean you the know, first three <laughs>
1: if I had to choose anybody though to navigate their way through those purposelessly convoluted waters Matt it would be you oh yeah, yeah. in the, the tiny coracle of hopeful coherence that's
0: what you are <laughs> okay so, back to, the, back to Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Right. So Darcy's proposal, um, it dissolves into a fight as, uh, as Lizzie kicks him around the room. Um,
1: <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and extraneous fight scenes. Is this the Matrix reloaded? Is that what they were going for? <laughs>
0: that might be the way they shoot it in the film, I suppose.
1: <laughs> a door bangs open and 95 identical Mr. Darcy's run out. <laughs>
0: Uh, Darcy's excuse for keeping Bingley and uh, Jane separate is uh, that he thought that Jane was. Do you know when Jane was ill? Um, uh. he, he, he thought that she was turning into a zombie, and that's his excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is quite good. Hang on, let me bring it up. Let me just bring the page number up. Do you know there was a <laughs> Mister <laughs> the Mister Wickham and Mister Darcy falling out? Right, (laughs) he's a (laughs) Mister Wickham comes across as a genuine cad and a horrible human being. Um, And one of the one of the recollections that Mister Darcy gives Lizzie is a. Mr. Wickham happily boasted of his intention to practice his roundhouse kicks on our deaf stable boy in the hope that a broken neck would serve as punishment for a saddle polishing that hadn't met with his approval.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, fair enough. That is excellent satire. (laughs) But it's a good line, isn't it? It That's a fantastic line.
0: Yeah. Uh, The the tour of pleasure, which, uh, which Lizzie goes on when they end up in Derbyshire, um, yeah. What one of the fun, uh, one of the fun activities they involve themselves in is burning cages and cages of zombies. So um, that's unusual.
1: What well, is like a little diversion on the road to Derby, just sort of stop off in Coventry and set fire to some deads. Yeah, she's watching. She's watching
0: these cages being lowered into a big bonfire and stuff, um, which, is, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah,
1: yeah, that's weird. That's the word for it.
0: Yeah, uh, rather, rather sort of, expectedly, I suppose. Darcy's arrival in Pemberley uh, when they meet there—he saves Lizzie from this massive horde of zombies. Uh, oh, That's to
1: be expected. That's how you know when when he's a keeper. Yeah,
0: there's there's a deviation in Big C's story. Oh, is there, Mister Collins? Yeah. Does uh, he become a zombie? Yeah. No, he writes to he writes to the family to say that unfortunately, um, his. His wife, who was looking extremely worse for wear at the wedding, um, has turned into a zombie. So he has taken the decision to behead and burn her. So that—that's the fate that awaits Charlotte in *Pride and Prejudice* as zombies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm curious as to how he makes that sound like an act of utter obedience to uh, Lady De Bourgh, though, because <laughs> yeah. everything he does he cou- couches in the in the context of you know. <laughs> no, kind of serving licking her boots. Yeah. Yeah. Conscious of the social embarrassment which I knew would proceed from my new bride turning <laughs> out to be one of the revenants.
0: It's interesting, um, if you just pause a minute to decide which which one, which version of the book is the worst fate for Charlotte, turning into a zombie and end up beheaded and burned, or another twenty years or so living <laughs> with Mr. <laughs> Collins.
1: <laughs> actually that is an interesting thought experiment. Which one of those two options would you take if oh, you have the choice?
0: Oh well, do you know what? I I quite like Big C. I think we get on like a house on fire.
1: You but, do. Yeah. You, you you like the idea of share sharing a life with him domestically. A yeah.
0: Well, I was gonna say I like the idea of sharing a house with him, maybe not so much a bed. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you think you think as a friend he would be fantastic banter? I think as an yes. oh yeah. big C, you're always with the repartee. You
0: as an odd couple room mate, I think it'd be hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh well, if we're casting a sitcom, then yeah, absolutely, bring it on. Uh, I'm afraid you're on your own for life.
0: Yeah. The final thing I've got here is uh, when Lydia turns up with Wickham after they've run away, um, <laughs> Wickham somehow ends up like ho- horribly injured to a sort of a, a comedy level extent where he's being sort of carried around in this litter and uh, he can hardly sort of... In a litter? Yeah, he can, he can hardly get up and he's got like he's I don't know, he's got like all these extreme injuries and he's barely alive and uh, Lydia's just completely almost oblivious to it and she's just really pleased at being married, which is quite <laughs> which is quite funny as well.
1: Yeah, that's very appropriate to the character, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's a little bit better than the the first few installments of that, I suppose.
1: Actually, that is, it has hit its stride. And I, I have to say, there were fewer ninjas in this particular little bit. So, um.
0: Yeah, well, that's the, uh, that, that, that's, the, so that's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another, another one of those next week.
1: Tune in, yeah, I'm sure that's what everybody's listening for Matt.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, the only other thing to say today is uh, if, you, if you've got any feedback for us, we're recording this slightly earlier in the week, so we may you may just miss the cutoff if you've sending feedback in for last week's, but uh as ever, send it to shark liver oil podcast at gmail dot com that's shark liver oil podcast at gmail dot com and uh we'll we'll read out your feedback next week along with uh we'll be doing obviously the rest of the book and some reviews from around the web which we always do and uh, some final thoughts as well sticking it in context of its time and how important a book is absolutely don't miss it don't miss out dream yeah and that should be up next monday
1: yeah there you go
0: until then until then Matt. enjoy your pride enjoy your prejudice and enjoy your zombies